Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm so happy to be here. Like, I'm doing great. I love that. We made it, Catherine. We did it. <sighs> Yay, we did it. us. Can you all hear that sort of, <sighs> of relaxation that's coming? Not here yet, because it's the last night that we have before school starts. We've almost gotten there. At least one, if not three kids will be up in the night. 100%. Worrying about school. 100%. There's a lot of stress happening, but we're so close. We're taking the opportunity to relax and say congratulations, high five to you, and saying we did it. We survived the summer. We did it. Yep. I sent a friend today a gif of Homer Simpson on a floaty in a pool on the phone with a tropical drink. And I go, this is going to be me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, it's, it's not perfect because we still have one kid who's going to be at home for the next couple of weeks. Okay, so it's going to be two more weeks till I get my floaty, but and it's, still. And tomorrow's going to be a battle because we'll, we'll fill you in. It's the drop episode, off. We'll fill you uh, in, folks. It's yeah. episode 114. Okay. Of the long finish, uh, episode one fourteen. Hope you all enjoyed last week's episode regarding Total Wine, talking about the history of uh, America's biggest retailer. You can find and a wine. Drinking some Chianti. Drinking some Chianti. So hope you guys check that out. But we have a great wine tonight. So this is Cameron Winery Giuliano. This is a blend a white wine blend from dundee hills in the willamette valley of oregon vintage 2022 i don't think we've done an oregon wine i think we have oh maybe a rosé but i don't know maybe how we have we'll, we'll go back into the annals of history let's look real quick episode 34 we did a pet nat from willamette valley for a pet nat party episode 38 we did big table farm rosé from oregon so the point is, we have done some Oregon, but I really, I asked Daniel, our general manager at Esther's, tell me pick out a wine that felt like uh, a great alternative for Chardonnay drinkers. And this was inspired by last week, talking about Total Wine, how big the Chardonnay uh, section was at the Fredericksburg, Virginia Total Wine. And I said, you know, what would be fun would be is talking something that feels Chardonnay adjacent. Debatable on whether this is Chardonnay adjacent, but what it is is delicious and interesting and cool. Absolutely. I, I know you love this winemaker. Yes. So a lot of fun things to talk about tonight. Yeah. I, I feel like it is in the fuller white wine category for sure. But like you were saying, like right when we opened it, it reminds me more of Chenin Blanc because it's a little more aromatic. It has that kind of honeysuckle thing that it's got a lot of like slightly oiliness and texture on the palate it doesn't remind me so much of chardonnay but it is really elegant but this producer makes awesome chardonnay so there's that if you like this you could get their chardonnay daniel's fired yeah i asked for a chardonnay (laughs) alternative and and you shot it down but this wine is cool we talked about everyone loves this wine when you try it and I think we want to make sure that people know more about it because we want people drinking it. And it could be a hard sell because it's, people don't quite understand what category it would fit in. Well, we're, I think, going to, we're going to debunk that tonight. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Also, Cameron Winery, which I know we are going to get into, but is a small winery in Oregon. And 
this label isn't their classic label. So you might not notice it quite at first. You're going to read it on a wine list. It would be listed Cameron Winery first. But if you're just looking at this label, you wouldn't recognize it as, oh, there's Cameron. So there's that too. So let's get into that in a minute. Here to recap our week, as we said off the top, survive the summer, starting school tomorrow. Our oldest is going into second grade. Youngest, our middle child is going into TK. Youngest is a couple weeks out from going into preschool three days a week. And we will have three days a week for the first time in seven years where we have no kid in the house. I can't wait Yeah, to celebrate. You yep. and I will be playing golf, drinking yep. Boozy Arnold Palmer's. Mm-hmm. Going on day trips to <laughs> day, movie, day, day trips. the movies, no, uh, museums, you know, garden walks. I'm thinking about laying in bed and just yeah. reading my book. Well, the last two weeks. I mean, you know, we have work too, but of course. still. The last two weeks have just been kind of senioritis for parenting. You know, you and I have just been like, uh, you know what? Just watch that extra hour of of shows just you know you want to watch a just, movie before bed let's do it you know yeah. we just have full senioritis of parenting let's just eat popcorn and <laughs> yeah. you know sure yeah. go run outside without shoes on and eh, whatever it all goes i've taken them to the mall the past two days to get stuff and they're just like yelling and screaming in, van, in the van store and i'm like i i, I just i can't <laughs> trying to i'm trying to get them to stop but as of tomorrow they're you know it's the teacher it's on the teachers now you got to keep these kids quiet, not me. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, teachers. Horrible. Sorry, teachers. It's on you. I think they'll be ready for it. Yeah. They're ready for to fall in line, to be like, oh, this is what's happening next. And look, everyone's going to do it. I think they're <laughs> we've we've had the antithesis of that. Just sort of like loosey goosey. And it's going to be it's going to be good. Some issues we're dealing with, though, because our, our second grader has so far no friends in his class that we figured out. So we got to wor- worry about that showing up. Hopefully we'll hold know some people in his class. He will. There will be. Our, our TK four-year-old, uh, who's an unbelievably great kid, has a lot of separation anxiety. I'm not excited. I called not it on the drop-off. I'll for do this, it. For this I'll do it. I did it. I took him to you his, did. you know, pr- preview day last week, and it was pretty horrible to leave <laughs> when I left. But, you know, I just said, you can do it. Goodbye. And he did it, you know. You got to rip that bandaid off. You got to just do it. I think he's going to be amazing ultimately, but these first few days could be tough. So we'll be like doing some some negotiations with some ice cream and of course stuff after. Yeah, like come on. But um, very excited for the fall. Unfortunately, no news on the Writers Guild SAG strike updates. So I'll still be heading to the picket lines for that. Hopefully, but we'll, the things will be coming to a head. In the next you know, month or so, I'm hoping, but we'll see. So there's still a lot of work to be done on that end. I know that you're excited about the fall at Esther's, but really just a chance for us, you and me to have clear heads on some things for the first time in years. So I'm pumped up. I'm, pumped. I'm just going to watch SportsCenter on repeat like I did when I was like growing up in high school. Oh, well, I'm just going to like practice some self-care, maybe start exercising and... You know, I endorse cook, that cooking some healthy meals. I don't know, like doing just basic stuff. No projects for me. No projects. Health is the first I mean, thing to go. You know, work. I feel like health, health is the first thing. You, know, you and I have not been exercising, haven't been eating the, the best. I mean, it really, it really has a lot of pandemic vibes this summer with the strike happening. It, just, it reminds me a little, a lot of 2020, frankly, except I didn't gain 35 pounds. Probably gained five pounds. Okay, but, good. Yeah, but I'll, I'll find out as soon as I go back to the gym and I step on a, a scale. But as I said, 
Tonight's a night of celebration. We have celebrations coming up because you and I have a big number anniversary coming up to celebrate. My parents are coming out in a few weeks. We'll have a chance to hopefully go out and celebrate that. But tonight we're celebrating a new chapter for our family, second graders, TK. And we're celebrating with a great bottle of wine. So let's let's remind people what we're drinking and let's talk about why this wine is so special. Yeah, so this is Cameron Winery. This is the Giuliano. It's a white wine blend from Dundee Hills in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, 2022. The wine is really opening up as it's getting warmer. This is definitely one of those cases where it was in our fridge, which was probably too cold for this wine, especially when wines have delicate aromatics or with wines with just a little more body. I love it if they're slightly warmer. They just evolve so much better and there's so much more complexity. If a wine is super light, lean, or not complex, sure, chill it and kill it. But this is, or rosé, yeah, fine. But this needs warmth. So I always think that's interesting, by the way, because I feel like so much, so oftentimes you're, you're just, when you're new to drinking wine, you just think of it as how you like your other beverages, you know, which is just icy, chilly. But you're right. I mean, one, the more nuanced a wine is, it's better to have a little bit warmer. Yeah, and it kind of depends. You know, if you're just having a simple wine with a glass or if it's happy hour, sure, have it at whatever temperature you want to have it. White wine, really cold, and red wine, not warm, but cellar temp, as they like to say, you know, 65 degrees. But for white wine that you're going to notice, have some evolution, white wine that you are investing in, that you spend a little money and see what happens when it warms up. And um, what I do is obviously let the wine out. I don't put it in an ice bucket. I don't put it in the fridge. And if it's in my glass, I just kind of cup my hands around the glass and give it a little warmth in there. Like you're drinking a tea. Yeah, like I'm cozying up you by the fire. Put a scarf fire. around your neck. But my body, you know, my the heat from my hands is warming the wine already, like... I'm noticing so much more on the nose. This is a really aromatic white wine. So let me tell you about it. Okay, so it's a blend of Italian varietals. I'm not sure that you knew that these were in the Willamette Valley, but they're planted by Cameron. And this is Friulano, Moscato, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Grigio. Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris grow really well in, in Oregon. And Ribola Giala. And Oxerwa. So six varietals. And these come from two vineyards that Cameron has. Clo Electrique, which is right around their estate. It started as four acres and now it's seven acres. So really small. And then the other comes from Abbey Ridge, which is their oldest vineyard. And that was that vineyard was first planted in 1976. Now most both both of these vineyards first planted to Pinot Noir and Chardonnay the classic varietals in the Willamette Valley. They go grow really well there. So just to second to zoom out, Willamette Valley, same latitude as Burgundy. It's actually same latitude as Bordeaux, but it's not sunny like California. It's warmer-ish because we're in the United States, but there's a lot of rain. There's a lot of days without sun. So getting ripeness is a big thing there. Are you saying that the same latitude of both Burgundy and Bordeaux or just Bordeaux? Same latitude. Uh, of both of them? Yeah. Wow. But we got a lot of rain here. Not unlike Burgundy, 
you know, we got to deal with getting ripeness, getting sunshine. A lot of vineyards are dry farmed here because you do have so much rain. But getting ripeness is a thing. It makes sense that varietals like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir grow really well, right? I mean, it's this sort of more similar to Burgundy than almost anywhere else. And Cameron started out like that. Cameron started in the 1980s by a guy named John Paul. I just, from everything from reading about, I learned about this man years ago, but reading their website is really fun. I love it when you read a website and you're like, oh, I get the essence of this person. They're cheeky. They're funny. Like they have a lot of fun vibe to them. This, I cannot wait to meet John Paul. Um, we got John Paul. We got Bocce last week. I mean, I know. the people who create and make wines. Well, amazing people. This guy's got a great story, too. He he got his PhD in marine biology, but then he found out, oh, there's cr- this career where I can use the right side of my brain and drink on the job. Hmm, maybe that's for me. <laughs> I'm like, wow. What I love that. I love that that segue for him. And so he started with his wife, Terry, and some partners. And the name, Cameron, is inspired by his family's Scottish clan. And you can see that on their classic label. Kind of has that... Um, the crest. The crest. And that's on the top of this wine, too. But they started out with Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. You know, that was the name of the game. Really, really small. I mean, they're still small now. They only make four to 5,000 cases. Last week, we're talking about... 100,000 cases. Just to the U.S. You, last just, week. Just to the U.S. This is four to 5,000. Amazing. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time that we encountered Cameron was in, I think, 2016. We went to Oregon for a wedding, and we were shopping at a small wine shop. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. It was in downtown Portland. And we were like, what's your best, what's your undiscovered stuff, what's your best quintessential Willamette Valley? And they gave they gave us a couple of wines that I was excited about or had heard about. And then they were like, this is the splurge. And it was Cameron wine. And I remember we brought it to the place where we were staying for the wedding, which was kind of more remote. It was in Black Butte. And we opened it and we were like, wow, okay. This is incredible. And I came back to LA and I couldn't find it. There was no one, there was no one here who had it. You couldn't get it. Fast forward a couple of years later, finally someone started bringing it in. But we only get it because of tiny allocations. Like there's just not much wine to go around. They're a small winery. They farm amazing farm, farming. Obviously it's organic. It's dry farm. They don't irrigate. But the idea is that the vineyard is its own ecosystem. Everything is recycled into the vineyard. The inputs are sunlight and rain and everything else comes from the vineyard. They're all about the animals. They have chickens and goats and bees and each one of them serves a function in the vineyard for bringing either eating pests or we're doing some some other function in the vineyard, uh, including which on the website said geese, which bring levity and uh, entertainment that is engaging for the vineyard crew. <laughs> I mean, this is it. The, these are the people writing this web. So cheeky, so cute. I do want to say, John Paul, being a marine biologist, at least studying marine biology, should look into bocce and, do, oh. and, and turning turning those wines in the in the water. He should look into it. If he wants to get next level. You know what's funny is actually I saw on Instagram there's a article about someone who's being 
prosecuted for putting their wines underwater because they didn't have like some kind of license for it. No, I'm not kidding you. That was this week. I'm going to we need to find that article and post it in our show notes. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It says like, you know, addendum to last week's uh, yeah, episode. Yeah. But uh, this winery has everything you want. It's a great story. They're, they sound like very fun people. He's he's kind of a larger than life person, John Paul, in in the Willamette Valley. And, and they're in Dundee Hills. A lot of other winemakers either try to work with him, look up to him, you know, but he keeps his his work really, really small. He does have a winemaker who works with him now, Tom Savilli, and he has a vineyard manager who's really transforming everything into regenerative farming. Yay, we're all about that. So I don't know what else I can say, except that their Pinot Noir and their Chardonnay sell out in about five minutes whenever I get them on the menu at Esther's. But sometimes... The Nebbiolo, which is the red we get from them, and this white wine from Italian varietals hang around a little bit because people don't associate them right away with Cameron. They're, they're just, it's the newer part of what they're doing. I think the wine is killer, though. I think this wine's cool because you know me. Wines that have a floral component on the nose don't, aren't really my thing. And this has a little bit about that, but... Somehow the way the varietals are put together makes this wine delicious to me. It has the floral thing. It has that honeysuckle and jasmine, but it also has this kind of like powdery, and we can't smell sweetness, but it smells like lemon meringue or like some kind of lemon dessert that smells, it has like this sweet thing to it because of the Moscato probably. I get that. So I propose to you, this is an allocated wine in esters. There's only a handful of bottles, maybe six bottles of this wine. And we wanted to have this wine on because we wanted people to experience it. We want them to try it. Who would be into drinking this wine? What kind of wine drinker? I mean, definitely Chenin, Chenin Blanc lovers because it has that body and texture. It has some of those, those floral elements. I think a Chardonnay drinker might like this because it does have that lemon meringue thing that I'm getting more and more now. So I'm going to apologize to Daniel. Yeah. I'm not firing Daniel. Okay, but but we need to make the wine a little warmer for warmer. it to more for it to show those gotcha. Chardonnay adjacent. Well, he didn't put that. He didn't put that in our fridge, so I'm not firing Daniel. No for the temperature. And also, I think some Chardonnay drinkers might really like it because there is Chardonnay from Europe that has a lot of acidity, and there is Chardonnay from other areas that has less, more medium acidity. And I would put this in that category. It's not high acid. It's more medium. Like the way it leaves your mouth is softer. You know, it's not sharp. It doesn't have that zing finish, which is so pleasant. All right, let's have an exercise. Earlier this week, you wrote an email or a document talking about how you were an excellent server. Oh, geez. True or false? You believe that you're an excellent server. Well, was. 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 Had the skills. So, what do we need to do to convince people that this is the wine that they should purchase and drink at Esther's or wherever they can buy it? How do you go about selling this wine to somebody? Well, it's not about varietals. I think it's like, want to try a wine that's from Oregon that's full-bodied, but not your normal Chardonnay, not your normal Pinot Gris. This is actually Italian varietals planted by a really small producer who's legendary in the industry. 
absolutely knows what he's doing. It's a really elegant white wine, but it's full bodied. It has a softer finish, a lot of texture, and there's nothing else like it. It'll be surprising to you. That's amazing. Well, well done. You liked it? Right off the cuff. You still got it. Babe, I can BS with the best of them. Well, you're not BSing because no, you know, you're selling you're, it. Yeah. Because, but you're selling it because you believe in it's this genuine. wine. It's genuine. Yeah. I mean, I used to sell the most desserts because I ate all the desserts. <laughs> they were like, why does she sell more desserts than anybody else? Because she eats them after service. Well, so you got to know what you're selling. You got to know. Listen, if I don't believe in it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. But this is delicious. So let's talk about the label. The label, I believe, has an artichoke on it. We'll show a picture of it on our Instagram. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how it would be with an artichoke. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm we, not we sure. We talked about that being a difficult that. thing to pair with. John yeah. Paul, if you're listening to the podcast, comment on our Instagram page and tell us why you went with the artichoke yeah. uh, on the label. Yes, please. And if, if it pairs well with artichoke. Yeah, we'd love to know that. Speaking of artichokes, let's talk about food pairings. Speaking of food pairings, let's talk about food pairings. I know this is so crazy. I can't remember the name of this, but I will find out. The Shana just brought this blue cheese that has coffee in it. And on the rind, Shana, our chef at Esther's, and I tasted it last night when I was there for wine club. Oh my gosh, it was so rockin'. This would be great with that. This would be great with some lighter blue cheeses, I was thinking, because of all that texture and that little bit of perceived sweetness, but it's not sweet. It would be great. I actually think it would be great with that dinner that we had earlier tonight, like ham, go to the honey baked ham store but something you know ham with a little sweetness on it roast potatoes sort of a classic hearty meal like that but that sweetness on the ham would be beautiful with this it would pair so nicely potential thanksgiving one i think it could be great at thanksgiving yeah Talk about things that have like a sweetness to it yes. and um and not sweet potatoes sometimes yeah. a ham and, and and not so like a floral, little aromatic to just keep your interest, but not it's not overwhelmingly so. This would be great Thanksgiving wine, actually. That was Upgrade. A good Let's go, Tug. You good, got one. Good call. Got one in here. I like that with the turkey, the gravy, the mashed potatoes. I like it. Now, this wine, we wouldn't put in the under $30 no. range of wines. This is a, you said maybe, you know, the other wines that, Cameron has are considered splurge wines. Yeah. Does this fall in that category? This is like, a little more affordable. You okay. know, it's more affordable than their their Clos Electrique, which is Chardonnay, which is the estate vineyard Chardonnay. Um, if I that is in the little bit of a splurge category, but if I poured it for you blind, you'd probably think it was white burgundy. It's Wow. You've had it before. Oh yeah, I remember. No, you don't. I don't remember. remember. I don't. I don't remember these things like you. I'm sorry. Well, you had it at Esther's five year anniversary. <laughs> I'm I opened so sorry. it. That was three years ago. Oh well, it's still fresh in my I mind. Know. It's, well, I listen, can our brains work different. Our it. brains work different. <laughs> Differently. You know who won the you know Wimbledon that year, or there wasn't Wimbledon. It was 2020. But but you know you know the answer to those questions. But I That's true. I could tell you what wine we had. That's true. And probably what we were wearing, but. I probably know where this wine could be found if I had a you know a database system set up. So I know we can we have a few bottles allocated bottles at Esters. But would you be able to find this easier, say, if you were in Oregon? I or mean, definitely. I think 
Cameron overall you can find a li- in wine shops there because not that much of it leaves. I know a little bit is in New York and now a little bit in LA, but definitely most of it is in Oregon. They have a website, right? Oh, fabulous website. Very cheeky website, as you said. Mm-hmm. Maybe go on there if you're interested in this wine and look about where look at where you can find it. Yep. But this wine is really cool. Really fun wine. Nice pivot from the, the fun Chianti we had last week, too. So it's cool. So think about grabbing this wine as we turn towards fall. It's kind of a nice pivot towards fall. Yeah, hardier, hardier so. meals. For sure. Um, and just think about a guy who's working with the right side of his brain and drinking at work. All right, well, this wine's awesome. So go out, look for it, come to Esther's, grab one of the bottles that we have left, check it out, ask questions, ask Daniel, who's still on staff. Daniel's fantastic. Catherine, all of our servers. They're ready to go. They have all the knowledge. They're ready to to give this to you. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to go with one of the people that works in Hollywood that I consider to be a role model and an inspiration, and that's Seth Rogen. I'm so impressed by Seth Rogen and his partner, Evan Goldberg, uh, as creators of so many different things in Hollywood, things that you may know, things that you may not know. But last week, I took our entire family to see their uh, adaptation or latest movie of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with three kids and my wife. And it was super, It was fun, right? It was really fun. We had a fun. blast. They got, oh, it was he great. Got, he got so many people to be a part of the movie. And we got Trent Reznor and team to do the music he got ice cube to be in it jackie chan to be in it tons jackie, of great voices jackie chan was so funny and i just really impressed with the music they put in it's just so fun i think he continues to put out stuff that's really interesting really thoughtful funny compelling stuff and he started as an actor that we kind of think is like you know this oafish pot smoker you still may be a pot smoker but i just really really admire the way he goes about doing his work in entertainment and i was happy to see teenage mutant ninja turtles i don't think i would see it in the movies you know the theaters normally but i was i'm glad i did it's sort of a nice uh end of summer movie so check that out that's my inspiration of the week seth rogan i will work with you one day seth Catherine, what do you have well it's another book this week but this one is about wine I'm enjoying this so much, not quite finished, but it's a delight. This is called Blood from a Stone, a memoir of how wine brought me back from the dead by Adam S. McHugh. This was a gift given to me by our chef at Esther's, Shana. She found it in a bookshop in Santa Barbara, Santa Inez, somewhere up there, Los Olivos. It's a signed copy. And it's a memoir of this guy who was in the ministry. He was a hospice chaplain. How he left that career and turned to wine. It's got humor. It's got a lot of really fun details about wine, wine history, wine culture, different places about wine, a little bit about the history of Chateauneuf de Pop. It's got, um, you know, what the church has done for wine, which was actually really interesting. Um, a little bit of that wine and war. It's got all these different pieces in it and it's a fun read. So two thumbs up. All right, that's it for episode 114 of The Long Finish. Episode 114 is in the books. Thanks to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. Have some great stuff in store as we kick into late August, September. So stay tuned for that. Working on some things behind the scenes. 
Catherine, where can they find you in the long finish on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Mile Coker, and you can find the long finish there too at the long finish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Catherine, congrats to you again on surviving the summer. And to you. Kids are going back to school. Can't believe it. Yes. Hope everyone's having a great week, just like we are. We'll see you next week. Until then, be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.